Hey friends, welcome to the Jesus Collective Podcast. My name's Matt. We're so glad you're tracking with us. Jesus Collective is a new relational network of churches and leaders with a vision to unite, amplify, and equip this Jesus-centered movement that God is raising up all over the place. During this pilot season, we're experimenting with different ways to build relationships with people in this movement, to put language to what Jesus-centered means, and to have meaningful and honest equipping conversations about the issues and opportunities facing our churches in this increasingly post-Christian context we find ourselves in. So, this podcast is one of those tools. You might find a number of different types of conversation formats shared here, and we hope you find it meaningful and engaging. You can learn more about us, join our mailing list, find information about upcoming online and in-person events, all that good stuff, at our microsite at JesusCollective.com, or you can find us on social media. And hey, we love hearing feedback and ideas and just meeting new Jesus-y people, so you can always reach out by email at connect at JesusCollective.com. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's get on with the podcast. This is kind of a space where every six weeks, those of us who are able and who are tracking with Jesus Collective are able to gather, learn from a a thought leader, and uh, spend some time at the end of our time together uh, for about 10 or 15 minutes in in conversation, just getting to know who's who's out there in, in Jesus Collective uh, networks that are bubbling up and interest that's forming around what we're doing here. So uh, we do have these podcasts now. We have a couple under our belt. And so these are on a podcast channel and we're putting that in the chat, but there you can find these under uh, Jesus Collective podcast in iTunes and also in Spotify. So uh, check us out, spread the word. Uh, each one of these podcasts is kind of asking a question in, uh, that's related to ministry and kind of the nuts and bolts of ministry of how do we lead in a Jesus-centered way. So that is that. I want to throw it over to my friend and colleague, Matt Miles, who's helping give leadership to Jesus Collective as in these early days in our pilot zone that we're in. And Matt's going to kind of bring us up to speed on what's going on. Thanks, John. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Perfect. Hey, everybody. It is uh, always so cool as I kind of look at the names that have gathered, not to mention new guests that we're engaging with, just to see a mix of new and also familiar faces. So welcome back if you've been journeying with Jesus Collective and welcome for the first time if this is new for you. My name is Matt. Like John said, we work at a church called The Meeting House in Ontario, Canada, Um, but we're part of this experience birthing this new extended network uh, of churches and leaders across North America and hopefully maybe even over the world one day that is meant to be way bigger than any one church. So maybe you know us, maybe you don't, maybe you're somewhere in between, but it's always good, especially in these early days, these early days, just to be disciplined in recalibrating around why are we here? Who are we? What is our vision? And continue to just repeat that and grow into it as we lay a track for ourselves to walk on. So there's lots of different ways to describe it. I think really what we are, we're, uh, I was thinking about this today. We're a group of leaders and churches, some of whom come from an Anabaptist tradition more properly or directly, others of whom don't, um, or may not even be familiar with or use that kind of terminology. But really, at the end of the day, what we hold in common is that we're people who, and hopefully this is why you're here too, who think that everything really changes when we put Jesus at the center, and when we focus on him and everything about our faith and our life as leaders flows out of that focus on Jesus at the center. So the way we view God and see him as always looking like Jesus, the way we interpret scripture, the way we lead and view power, 
We're going to talk about that today. The way we prioritize and engage in mission and discipleship. The way we look at our enemies and seek to be making peace non-violently like Jesus taught us. The, the way we strive for unity even amidst disagreement. Those are, those are hallmarks of what we mean by putting Jesus at the center in a nutshell. And that's who we are. That's who we want to be. We sense that God is raising up a fresh movement of people who resonate with these kind of ideas of putting Jesus at the center. And so we want to be a network that is there for churches and leaders and ministries that share this passion and feel like the time is now. It's always now. But the time is now to be uniting this network, giving it more relationship, more cohesion, um, bringing more faces to it, amplifying it, which doesn't mean getting out there and being angry. It means giving a loud, quiet voice to this Jesus-centered movement, Give it some, giving it some critical mass so the people know where it is. And when they wake up to wanting to follow this kind of a Jesus-looking God, there's a place for them to be in relationship. There's a place for them to congregate with others who are like-minded, to tackle issues together that we're dealing with in our churches and in our lives as leaders. Um, but we also want to equip this movement. We're serious about being very pragmatic and practical. And that's good context for what this experience is today and this series of online podcasts. These are about helping to equip and form and shape ourselves as leaders and contribute to our own process of transformation so that we can lead others into a process of transformation in our own contexts. So John's going to explain more about our guest, Mary Kate, today and the purpose of today's call. But that's really the context for this experience within the broader vision of Jesus Collective, which includes a number of different experiments that we're really pleased to be launching and learning from in this pilot season. Um, so John mentioned you can access the archives of this. You can also check out other events that are upcoming, whether they're digital or in person on our website at jesuscollective.com. Uh, we just posted a new regional gathering that we're hosting in the Southwest in California in February. Those are great events to just come and listen and learn and contribute to uh, some feedback on Jesus Collective in a very uh, no obligation preliminary kind of scratch and sniff kind of a way. We've done several of those gatherings that have met so many good people through them across North America and even into Europe as well. Um, and May 6th to 8th in 2020, you may be interested in putting that on your calendar and just saving the date. That's going to be our first larger scale launch gathering for people that we've been meeting for the last year and a half who want to say, yeah, I'm actually interested in digging in a little more and considering ongoing relationship with Jesus Collective, or at least exploring what that could look like, and really spending a few days tackling some key issues we're dealing with as churches in a very roll-up-the-sleeves, practical, relational kind of a setting. So not really a conference as much as a gathering of like-minded people that want to just be on mission together and talking about that and launching Jesus Collective together. Uh, so the last thing I'd say, just to orient us before we dive into the, the meat and potatoes for today, is in this pilot season, in addition to these experiments that we're launching and learning from and, and hearing from the Spirit as we test and learn, we are really intentionally trying to seek relationships with leaders and churches and ministries that would say, yeah, this sounds like a, a network and a place I'd love to hang around for the longer term. I'd love to stick with this in some way um, that's right for me beyond this pilot. And so we're intentionally trying to reach out and say, if that sounds like you, if you want to continue that conversation, um, we're in the process of developing what that could look like, that more ongoing level of engagement. And we're already talking with some amazing churches and leaders, some of whom are on a call like this today, that are saying, yeah, I want to lean in a little, little bit more beyond the pilot. And so we're just putting an open invite to you, uh, if that sounds like you, to connect with us so we can talk a little bit more about what that process looks like as we look to come out of the pilot sometime around the middle of 2020. So that's just a bit about where we're at. 
um, what's on the horizon for us, some things that are coming up. I hope that's useful information for you. And uh, I'll pass it back to John and we can get on with the show. Thanks, Matt. You bet. Um, well, before we chat with Mary Kate, part of what we're doing here online together is uh, sharing about those who are across Jesus Collective that we're meeting, making new friends, and we're also experimenting. So one of the purposes of Jesus Collective is to equip, is to find Jesus-centered leadership equipping and formation for leadership in a post-Christian culture. Mm-hmm. So we kicked off a little experiment about six and a half, six, seven weeks ago called the Online Learning Collective. And that was a six-week learning lab with uh, leaders from across North America, where we gathered to look at learning from how do we uh, navigate the post-Christian waters that we find ourselves in. So it's leading in a post-Christian culture. And one of the friends who was a part of that was Bo Stringer, who's the lead pastor of Rhythm Church in Mason City, Iowa. And I asked Bo just for a few minutes, just share with us uh, what that experience was like and what some of his interactions have been with Jesus Collective and what, what was he, how was that experience helpful? Um, because these are the kinds of things that we want to do together in Jesus Collective. So, Bo, welcome. Good to have you with us, buddy. Hey, thanks so much. Glad to be here. Thanks for yeah, having me. Man. Yeah. So, uh, share with us a little bit about your, just briefly, like your ministry context. Like, how long have you been pastor at Rhythm? Yeah. Um, well, Rhythm is a nine-year-old, I guess, church plant um, in northern Iowa, and uh, we're non-denominational. And I've been the lead pastor for the last two years. I was um, working in student ministry for five years prior to that. So I've been around the majority of the church's life um, in some form or fashion. So That's yeah, great. it's been fun. Good. So uh, share with us a little bit of what, what was this online learning collective experience that you have just, that we've gone through together. What was that like for you? What did you do? And um, yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, it was, it was really, really good. Um, there's a, there's a few things that I think really stood out. And one was just the, the community uh, aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, about six years ago, um, I went through a big, like, I don't know, theological shift in, mm-hmm. in framework about how I viewed just God and the Bible and a lot of things. And so I pretty much landed as what has been described as Antibaptish. Um, and so not having, uh, being non-denominational, not having, you know, like a network or really anything a part of the, the Jesus Collective really was just a huge answer to prayer um, for me, just being able to connect with people that, that view God the same way. And, um, just a, just a huge, huge blessing. Just the, the community, people that like minded thinkers and leaders, um, was really, really good. And I mean, I think back to just the, the beginning of the, the, the cohort, the, you know, the pilot thing we're doing and mm-hmm. just getting to know the other leaders, um, right away, you just felt the connection because of the like-mindedness, um, you know, and not really having experienced that much as a leader, um, before, um, even in the first few weeks, I was able to open up and share and be very vulnerable in that space, um, which was very, very, very beneficial to me just to be able to, to talk about some struggles, um, some insecurities, some things I was wrestling with. And, and so the community aspect, just being able to, to be around leaders that, that think the same way you do that are kind of in the trenches and along the, the same, same path you're on was, was very, very helpful. Um, so yeah, that was really, really good. And I think I was also blown away by the diversity of the, 
the the group um you know there's everything from well at least in our our cohort there was you know pastors at churches of a thousand thousands of people all the way down to you know um house church leaders and so and everything in between and so that was really really beneficial too knowing that uh, again that the contexts are similar um you know and that was really important because i think sometimes whenever you're engaged in in um you know leadership or you know, across with other leaders. And sometimes it can feel a bit overwhelming because like, it's not your context or, you know, I don't have the means to do that or think about it that way. And, and it was just very helpful knowing that there's people um, all across, you know, very diverse group of people that you can relate to and, and have conversations with that are very similar to you. So, um, and I mean, there's just nothing beats having conversations with people that, um, again, view Jesus like you do and view ministry in the church and how it functions like you do. So it was really, really good, but very diverse, different faith backgrounds too, all coming together, which was awesome. Um, I think all different faith backgrounds, but all unified under Jesus being in the center. So yeah. super cool. Yeah, it was, it was, um, there was 11 of us in the online learning collective and it was encouraging to be able to talk in shorthand a little bit. Uh, people yeah. said I could show up and I, uh, I wasn't afraid that somebody was going to try to, uh, you know, they could disagree with me, but I knew, I knew that it was a space where we were unified in how we were going to disagree with each other, that there wasn't this polarization. It was not conformity, but it was unity in how, in our differences. And I think that that was powerful and seemed to be shaping. And these are the kinds of spaces that we want to create for Jesus collective. Yeah. So go, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No. And I was just going to say too, I think another component that was just very helpful just as a leader and as a pastor mm-hmm. uh, was the coaching element that's incorporated in this. I don't know. I feel like sometimes as pastors and leaders, um, we can kind of be isolated and not really have those relationships as far as uh, like a mentoring or coaching relationship with somebody. At least that was my experience. And so that was also very transformative just having that other just kind of one-on-one mentoring, coaching relationship with somebody that, um, again, I was able to open up and share just some sin struggles, everything, you know, having those conversations all the way to, you know, budget help from churches, you know, like <laughs> things like that, just very, very, very practical and helpful things. Um, yeah. So good. Great brother. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit. We're going to transition over to our time with Mary Kate, but appreciate your, yeah. Thanks for input. having me. It's great. Yeah, no problem. Well, we are uh, privileged to have Mary-Kate Morris with us today, and, and um, my friend Tara Beth Leach is going to join me in having conversation with, Ter- uh, with Mary-Kate, and Tara Beth is the senior pastor at First Nazarene of Pasadena. Is that, that's, I have that right. First Church of the Nazarene of Pasadena, Nazarene. and what we affectionately call Paznaz. Paznaz, that's right. That's right. So uh, we together are going to have some time just to interact with Mary-Kate about leadership and power. And Mary-Kate wrote wrote a book that I think has been really helpful for many called Making Room for Leadership, Power, Space, and Influence. And we'll put that in the the chat a bit later. Um, I was hanging out with um, Mandy Smith, who's a mutual friend from several of us here. And Mandy was uh, talking about the kingdom, and she said, "Sometimes we we do um, kingdom things in empire ways." And I thought, "Yeah, 
we want to be people who do kingdom things in Jesus-y ways. And leadership is one of the things that we want to do in a Jesus-y way. It's a kingdom thing in the church and in other aspects of Christian leadership that we want to do in Jesus-y ways. But I think that there's moments in our leadership and in our leadership cultures where we may unintentionally find ourselves doing uh, kingdom things in empire ways. And I want to try to surface some of those today with Mary Kate in terms of leading uh, like Jesus in our organizational leadership. And if you're in a, uh, an organization that has lots of employees, or if you're in a small church that has kind of a solo pastor who is uh, still needing to lead and manage well, we're leading volunteers, we're leading church boards. If you're at a larger church, you're leading lots of staff or you're on staff uh, being led and you're part of an organizational culture. So what does it look like for us to have Jesus be the, the DNA of those practices of leadership and power and how we do this well? So anything that you would add, Terabeth, as we dive in with Mary-Kate Morse? Yeah, I'm so excited to dive in with Mary-Kate. Her book has been really, really formative for me and really meaningful um, and has expanded my imagination for what leadership is and also what it isn't um, in a way that is grounded in scripture, in a way that is grounded in the kingdom imagination. Um, And as you said, John, so many of us have um, well-intended, are doing many kingdom things but we've also been shaped and formed with the imagination of the empire and the imagination of the world. And one of the things I love about Mary Kate's work, I'm not just making room for leadership, but also in her book, 24 different ways to pray, which has also been really formative for me uh, is she expands our imagination of what it looks like as embodied people uh, to lead in the kingdom and wage in the kingdom in a ways that uh, is Jesus centered. And so I thought one really great way for Mary-Kate to kick us off is to just help us paint that picture of what this is and what it is. In particular, what is what, what would you say, Mary-Kate, is Jesus-centered leadership and what is it not? Mm. Well, first of all, just thank you, everyone, for inviting me to be a part of this wonderful group. I just love what uh, the Jesus Collective is doing and the invitation to bring people together to try to under to be better Jesusy followers, <laughs> and uh, that's uh, that's my passion. To be inside leader that well, to sort out the difference between. Um, leadership that's being shaped by the empire ethos around us and leadership that actually comes from Christ. So that's a challenge. And so what I have wanted to do is try to figure out a way that makes it observable, practical, uh, uh, that we can understand uh, when we're off with that. And so the lens that I used for that was looking at how we use power in a social context. But first of all, before I get into that, I just, I just want to say that leadership, I think primarily at the heart and core of leadership, is that it's, it's an embodied relationship process in Christ and less being about Christ. And I think often we uh, put on Jesus uh, with our theologies and ecclesiologies and 
our cultures around us. We just put it on, but uh, it isn't always, it's, it's harder to get it deeply, deeply embedded into our innermost being so that it flows, our leadership flows out of that. And, uh, and, it's, and it stays constant and true. So, uh, so it's, it's this embodied process. So you can, you can actually, when you walk into a room, there is a sense about you that people instinctively pick up. Mm. Just in a tenth of a second, in a tenth of a second, and this has been highly researched, people discern uh, your worth, your likability, and your competence. And this is the empire on steroids. Yeah. So in a tenth of a second, you walk in, people look at your body, your gender, your ethnicity, your age, your cultural standing by looking at your clothes, whether you're rich or poor, uh, how good looking you are, uh, or how you stand out, your personality, your charisma, whether you're introverted or extrovert. I mean, in a fraction of a second a group of people will make a decision about someone that walks into the room. Either that person, they're going to give them, allow them to influence themselves or not. And sure, people say people can change their minds. But um, since this is, this is the reality, it's, it's uh, come out of our, our need to... Um, find community in ways where we feel safe and like we belong. But what we do is we adopt the empire way of doing that. And we put on Jesus rather than live out of Christ rather than. So by paying attention to how we embody Christ, by paying attention to that in practical, real ways, we can actually bring a living experience of our risen Lord into a room. How? How? Okay. <laughs> All right. So, well, there's, there's two kinds of groups of people. There's, there are, are people who automatically have access. Um, and it depends on your cultural context, but generally in evangelical circles, white males, good-looking white males, tall white males, charismatic, extroverted, uh, good communicators, high social interactors, they come into a room and they just take up a lot of space. And if you are not thoughtful about that person that has those, which I think are gifts, because that makes you a great asset for the kingdom of God. But if you're not thoughtful about that, the, um, the natural attention that you receive to your presence, your ideas, and your words begins to build on you a layer of privilege. This is, this is who I am, and look, I'm great. And I don't know that, I wouldn't say that people are that explicit about their thoughts, but implicitly the feeling of being central in an environment is um, contagious. It's the core of the fall where we like to be as God. Um, and, and then we feel our words are the words of God and our actions are the actions of God. And there's less of a reflective response to when we enter a room strong, that we come in as the servant of God and come in as the presence of God. 
And so how would Jesus walk into a room, for instance? And the Bible is full of stories of this. Uh, he had a lot of um, uh, draw and power because he was a healer and a prophet. He was amazing. Yet he was also this simple nobody. Um, and yet when he would walk into a space, Jesus was always looking for how to bring the next person closer to Christ, closer to God. And, and that would be the sinner. Um, that would be the people on the margins. And, and that would be the little children. That would be fishermen and tax collectors, women. He would pay attention to women and women were following him and were part of that. Um, and uh, people that were of a different uh, ethnic background, like the Good Samaritan woman. I mean, it's just extraordinary how this important man who could have just set, set up a tent or a, a synagogue or a rabbi school and just let people come and hear his words. Yet we tend to do that. And, and so what the, the, the spiritual work then is for the person who has a lot of access is to uh, pay attention to how they enter into an embodying space by coming in more as a servant and less as a privilege. That's very different. And so about just go to the other side of that and mm-hmm. then I'll just touch on the other side. Some people come in and have known, you know, they're not the right, they're, they're not the majority of color. They're usually female um, or they just are shy, reflective. And so, but yet they feel in them a burning desire to do something for Jesus. And yet they, they have to figure out how to c- come into a room with the power and strength of Christ as a lion, not as a lamb. Mm. And that there's, there's, and, and so even how you practice your body to experience that you walk into a room and uh, for the sake of what God might do in that room through you, you have a responsibility to embody the living power and wonder of Jesus Christ. So you have to look, Learn how to, instead of becoming small, you have to learn how to take up space. Go and talk to the most important person in the room and ask a question. Uh, Speak up. uh, Have conversations. Even though it feels unnatural because you're not used to it, you've been shaped by the empire that your voice is less important. But to Christ, you're the most important voice in that room. And for Christ, what you have to offer in that room is as valuable and necessary as all the other pieces. So there's this social reconstruction that we try to do with the embodiedness of who we are when we're in community together. And we have to help each other do that. People who have a lot, we have to help them manage it in a in a to steward it for the for the God's kingdom purposes and not for our own gain. And for those who have little, we have to help equip them and train them and help them discover the unique voice and gifting that they bring into a ministry and into a group. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. And I interrupted you, John. And so I'll just, you know, I just kind of paint the picture and uh 
And so I, I can take another question. It, it's a beautiful picture. It is. I, I especially love the, the picture that you painted of the, the person coming into the room, taking on the power of Christ and rising up. I think that, I think for the first group of people that you described, I think the question that I go to is what does it look like then for that person, that white male who comes in and takes up space? What does it look like for that person to, are they shrinking down? How does that work with Jesus, who doesn't, he doesn't shrink us. He doesn't want us to think less of ourselves necessarily. Uh, so what does that look like? It's a great question, John. So it, I think when you have a lot of natural gifting, that's fabulous because God can use it. But I think everyone has major contributions to make for God's kingdom. Um, but it doesn't mean that you give up who you are. You just live out who you are through Christ. So you have the eyes of Christ. So if you were to walk into a room, instead of going up, or people would flock to you to talk to you, by being close to you, it makes them feel an extension of that value. Instead of that, looking around in the room for someone who seems uh, kind of sidelined for some reason, uh, uh, and, and going up to them and saying, hi, I don't believe I know you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, so just that, just that um, uh, using the time that you're in, a, in with a group of people to be mindful of all the people that are in the room. You can be a steward of that, a guide for that, and you model it. If you don't model it, then the next generation of leaders who are around you are looking to get what you get rather than looking to be more like Christ. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's hugely difficult for um, a privileged leader to do this because it's, it is precisely embodied. You can think, oh, I'm a servant. You watch them in a room. You can tell within 10 minutes, five, whether they are or not. Mm-hmm. By watching how they manage their bodies, watching who they talk to, watching how they act. What do they pay attention to? How do they express themselves? When you feel with, when you're with them, there's actually a resonance that you feel of either invitation Mm. or, or, uh, uh, you know, like uh, distancing. You, you, You actually feel safe with people or you don't. You feel like they're just too, too powerful and sometimes that's our own construction. I, I have to add that because sometimes out of our own fears, we put on, we project on people our own construction. But I do believe that we can help each other um, be all of us like these, the, the lions, the, the warriors. And I'm a pacifist. I'm a Quaker. So understand my language is not a... a my language is spiritual language for being having an urgent desire to be fully present in Christ in a place that you walk into. And that doesn't have to be in a, like a group of people, like a gathering. It has to do when you're everywhere you go, you're, you're walking about that. You are the message of Christ. It's today, in today's environment, words mean nothing. 
everybody pay, everybody knows words mean very little. People are rarely inspired by words anymore mm-hmm. for the long haul. Mm-hmm. So they don't work into us in the same way that they used to. We have a little filter now because we hear so many words, we're overloaded, and we're skeptical. But nothing can change how we experience someone else. And if we feel the humility of someone, the, the uh, warmth of someone, genuine, not constructed, but genuine, then um, it begins to move us towards wanting to know I want to be around the art, this person. I want to know how this happens. I, I want to be a part of this. Um, rather than having words out here that are between us, like here's some words and maybe I'll scoop a few up and use them. Mm-hmm. But rather what we're looking for today, what people are desperate for, are connection. I mean, I, I just read a statistic that between... Uh, I think it's like 10 to 24 year olds in the last 10 years, the suicide rate has gone up 56%. That, that slayed me. How could this happen? What is the church doing? It's because people feel so alone and they see the empire identity out there and they can never hope for it. And words don't get them there. What they need is the, the embodied experience of a living, healing Christ who never leaves them nor forsakes them. And so the work of leadership today is really profoundly to develop that inner Christ, which is another, you know, conversation. But that, that's our work. And then we practice it in practical ways by managing ourselves in Christ when we are in social spaces or public spaces that, uh, and we need each other. We need collectives like this to help equip us to uh, see this, not as a, not as shame, but as the shroud of the empire to hide what Jesus wants to do through us and out of us. And, um, and so that, that's what I think we, we have to pay attention to. And we need each other to do that, to help each other. Say, hey, man, you're just um, really uh, taking up a lot of space here. You're talking too much. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like that. Or you say you come along a sister or a, 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 a person who is just stepping into an environment and, and you help them uh, identify the humble but powerful presence of the Lord who didn't just live for us but died for us. So this kind of embodiment means a willingness to suffer. In other words, I'm not going to be first. I'm going to do whatever I need to, to, to do with my body to put Jesus first. And then the other first, whoever that other might be. And for the Holy Spirit to give us the minds and eyes for that. Mm. That's our work. And this is thoughtful, slow, sacred community work. So good. I have like a thousand questions. But in the spirit of what you just said, I would love to... uh, 
Sarah Beth, do you have any questions for um, Mary Kate? I do. I do. That is so powerful. And I have to apologize. My neighbors are using their leaf blowers and weed whackers. And so I'm trying to keep my mood on when I can. And my dog is not happy about them being there. So, (laughs) so sorry for the noise. Um, But that is such a beautiful picture. And one of the things you talked about, Mary Kate, is this idea of humility, of just the power of Christ in and through us. And one of the things that I often observe with leaders is in an effort to be humble, um, there becomes this just lack of self-awareness with power dynamics. Um, and often the ones who lack that self-awareness with the power dynamics are not the ones without the power, but the ones with much power where much has been given to them. And I hear this all the time um, with people who have much power, who have much privilege, who have much influence. They'll say something like, I don't have any power, but... And that often alarms me um, because it shows just a huge lack of awareness. And I'm wondering in, in what ways is that lack of awareness with the power that we have, um, in what ways can that be really harmful and dangerous? Well, you're exactly right, Terabeth. I mean, people... People under... What, what I just talked about, it's like a no-brainer People get what I'm saying, but do people want to do the work to live out of a new reality? For instance, a, a leader can't say, I'm, I'm a humble person. I'm a servant leader. That's, you can't put that on your, you can't say that about yourself. It can only be said by others. Humility and wisdom, that, those kinds of character traits are something that are given by others. You, you, can't, you can't put them on yourself. But self-awareness is huge, absolutely. And what the empire does is it says that you um, that that who you are is 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 it. Uh, you don't have to wonder if perhaps you have anything special with your privilege in life. You can just say, "Well, I'm not this or I'm not that." This lack of self-awareness, and it takes a determination by people like us to say that we will do whatever we need to do to be at the hem of Jesus's garment, like that hemorrhaging woman, because we are hemorrhaging. Hmm. Uh, We are hemorrhaging uh, what God is calling us to be by accepting a proud and lifted up place that we think we have earned somehow. And we have to hang on. And that means that we have to do whatever we need to do to live out of our self-awareness. And I, um, this, this is so, sort of my passion is to come alongside leaders and help them become more aware, more thoughtful, and, um, and, and also to help groups look for leaders that are like that and rather than take a shining star and just like put it on top of a tree and think that's going to dazzle. And it, it does sometimes, actually. <laughs> we're so broken. We, we want the dazzle. We want the answers. We want it all sorted out. Um, but it's not the way of Christ, which was the way of the dirt, I would say. You know, it's at, in, the, in the dirt part of it. It's in the uh, soil and the dirt that comes the life. 
And um, so whatever, whatever we need to do, a therapy, I'm, I, I, I've been in therapy five years one time, five years another. I, I have a therapist I check in with now. I have a spiritual director I see. I have, I have dear friends who speak truth to me that I speak to on a regular basis because they help me stay rooted in Christ and not in my own sense of accomplishment. Soon as I taste that poison and let it fill me up, then I start down a path that takes me away from Jesus and goes up to a shining star on a tree rather than into the dirt where all the cries and needs and callings are. It's a suffering path. Yeah. So I don't know if that helps. I, I know in my, my book I give, uh, I'm, pleased, I'm not trying to pitch my book, but it does have a lot of really practical. You can so, pitch your book. It's all good. It yeah. has a lot of really practical guidance. It's, it's just a theoretical, but then it, it shows how Jesus did this consistently, how he managed power with his own body to the point where he did not give up his ability, his, he did not give up who he was as God, but he gave up what he could gain from it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. He gave up what he could gain from it for our sake. So if I'm privileged, I give up what I could gain from it. And I imagine that there is, as a human, there is a lot I don't know and understand. And so constantly learning and uh, being involved in something like the Jesus Collective, where you get to gather in groups in San Diego or your national gathering and uh, really think out loud together about how, how are we doing this and help each other do this. All of these means, as long as they're funneling us towards a more embodied experience of Christ, then we are getting to goal. Mm -hmm. As long as it doesn't just give us more words and ideas, which are helpful. I mean, I'm not against words and ideas, but they only take their transformational fruit out of being rooted in Christ. I'm I'm curious, uh, Tara Beth, you're you're a pastor of a fairly sizable church. You have a staff. I assume that you have to somebody on your staff is hiring and at times probably letting people go if if that needs to happen. Yeah, that's one of the things I was really curious about, uh, just getting into the nitty gritty of what this looks like. Um, For me as a pastor, I've had to do, we have a larger staff, we've had to do a lot of hiring and a couple of really, really Mm. excruciating conversations. We've had some conflict. Um, And conflict is inevitable um, with staff and in churches, it happens. And so it's not whether or not conflict is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's how can we do it well? And I know for me as a pastor, I've had to, I've had to be part of firing conversations. And I always walk away just feeling so yucky. It's so hard. Um, and so what, what do these hard, hard conversations look like when you say you have a staff person that is moving against the grain of the vision and the culture of the church? 
and we have to we have to be able to do them well. And it's not as though we we abandon the ways of the kingdom and all of a sudden step into the empire. I do believe that there has to be mm-hmm. a kingdom way to have these conversations. I, I I believe that. And so, Mary Kay, I'm curious, just what in your experience um, have you seen? How, how have you seen this done really well? Well, that's a great question, Tara. And it's hard to do this really well and because um, you can't control for how people receive what, what you bring for them. But this is, and, I, and I've had to let people go. I've had to do these kinds of conversations. Uh, one practice that I have that, that, again, just trying to do this out of a sense of being led by the Spirit and directed by Christ is I will not have that conversation until I, I feel, uh, and, and so I pray about it, I pray, and I won't have the conversation until I feel as, as it, truly that I love this person despite what they've done. I tell you, this has sometimes taken me a few months. <laughs> Uh, but when I can walk in with the eyes of Christ, you know, so I don't pray, Lord, make, you know, I, I pray for Jesus. Help me to see this person as you see this person. I want to see this person as you see this person. They've really messed up here <laughs> badly. Uh, I've done everything I can to help this person thrive and it's just not working. So Lord, how, how help me to see that person. And so the conversation, what, when I get to that point, I sense something in me a little different. I sense a um, peace, um, a humility, um, kind of a sadness that I, uh, and I, 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 I sit with this, then I sit with this person um, and I speak, I speak truth out of love <laughs> and um, honestly try to bring more a sense of their a failure and less a sense of their failure and more a sense of this isn't working for these reasons. And, uh, and, and also say, what can we do to help you thrive in the next phase of your life and have a conversation where they're not just, you know, what 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 would you need to thrive or sometimes it's a bad fit sometimes the person and they're just not right for the job um sometimes the person just has too many of their own a lack of self-awareness and an unwillingness to learn to be formed and learn and um and for for that i can't so sometimes i say you know if, if if um, if we can help, if you would like counseling or therapy, uh, we'll give you you know blah 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 some some sessions. Uh, do you want to talk to a, a coach about next steps in your life? So I try to be generous with the letting go, uh, especially people that have uh, had significant leadership roles. I try to do that, and I I tell you it doesn't always work. I most of the time it's. It just they go they're being let go for a reason, uh, but I want as much as possible for them to have experienced that in a sacred way, hmm. not a fearful way. 
So, and, and I made, I made this so wrong so many times before I determined I didn't want to do this again until I had found a spiritual discipline for myself for these kinds of what I call difficult conversations. So sometimes it's not just letting someone go. Sometimes it's other kinds of difficult conversations. So bless you for having them. The thing that what I find in most churches is they don't have them. They just bump along and hope eventually the person will move on or retire. I just, that just boggles my mind. There's kingdom work to do and we're letting someone's inability to grow mm-hmm. in the way of what God wants to do in others in that environment. Cause they're not safe people. Yeah. And it can, it can hold, people. they shouldn't be on the team. And and they're holding their presence is holding things back. It's holding, holding the vision hostage in some ways, even though we're, you know, being for forbearing and patient sometimes to a fault. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree, John. And this is why if there were, if it were clear, I mean, and here's some practical things. If people really clearly understood what the role was and the mm-hmm. parameters, if there were clear things negotiated up front about the expectations of the roles, what are the, and this can be a tiny church. I mean, I planted two churches, so you can do this in a tiny church or a big church, but, but people uh, know what those are. And they also, every three or six months, there's a conversation of uh, a conversation about how are we doing? uh, What's going well? What's not Mm -hmm. going well? We do this Mm -hmm. for each other. Mm -hmm. This is um, what power seems to be that one thing that you can observe as a behavior that helps give specificity to what you see going on in a ministry environment, why this person is or is not working out well. Um, and so you can talk about those specific things, but if they don't have a clear guidelines about what the role is and what are the expectations and what are the, you know, what are the, the goals, what are we trying to achieve together all around mission? So I love that the Jesus collective is so clear on their mission because you can say, does this unite us? Does this, equip us does this amplify us and are we getting because there's just a lot of work that's not very inspirational but there's a lot of necessary work in order to create a culture where we're moving in the direction that god's invited us to move yeah and and that would be okay one more question i would have before we um open it up for q a would be what, what would you say to a, a, a leader at a nonprofit, a Christian nonprofit, or a pastor at a, a, a church of any size in terms of we read, read, we read a lot of leadership books and organizational leadership books. These are really good, can be good, but maybe there's some things that are in the literature that we're consuming from your perspective that would also be things that we need to have a flag on the play that says, watch out for this, or don't swallow that completely. Is there anything that you would lovingly critique in the literature as we are leading in places and trying to build culture that is Jesus-y? 
but yet we're consuming uh, resources that may not have Jesus at the center. What does that look like? Well, that, uh, I, well, personally, I read very broadly mm-hmm. because I find if I read materials all in a certain uh, pool that sort of fit my persuasion that I don't really grow or change very much. So I read, I read very broadly and uh, I have been very impacted by, by reading. And I, I would say to really, I'll get one of my favorite books is uh, General Theory of Love. Uh, which says how does how does love physically get um, h- how does love happen? And I think I don't think as Christians we know what that really looks like. I think we have an imagination for it. We get sense of it. So these are some psychologists who have spent their lives sitting with very broken people and trying to build them uh, back together. And, uh, and so they take apart love from a biological and physical point of view, which I found very, very helpful and fit very much with my uh, leanings around the importance of how we embody our presence mm-hmm. and that people can experience that. So things, uh, so, so Brooks has written a book called The Social Animal, which is really helpful. Um, um, so books like that, Edwin Friedman, he talked about um, um, the failure of nerve, again, a very much about your presence. Uh, Hunter uh, talks in his book on change, uh, talks about faithful presence. I, I think that the uh, ideas of leadership skills can be developed. You can break them down and, and learn skills. But um, reshaping ourselves from a kingdom embodiment mm-hmm. while we're being pressed into an empire mold, mm-hmm. I think requires reading things that have to do with how we experience um, experience each other. So I don't know if that answers your question exactly, John, but... Uh, um, it's helpful. Yeah, I'm very troubled by our, as many of you are, by today's sort of caustic and angry and polarized mm. culture where we are unable to give anyone the dignity of, of worth based on our assumptions about who they are. And so I think this is our spiritual, this is the Jesus work for today. Yes. Is humbling ourselves to be more like Christ and less uh, about Christ. Mm. Great. Thanks. Um, So in closing, before we move into a time of Q&A and we open it up to uh, the rest of the group. Um, And so folks, be thinking about your questions now. Um, In a couple of moments, we are going to bring you in and you can ask a question by using a raise the hand or using the raise the hand button. And just a reminder to keep yourselves muted unless you're talking. Um, But before we transition into that, Mary Kate, just kind of a fun question. I'm curious um, who... 
someone just in your journey throughout life who you look to and you just think, wow, that is a leader that just inspires me on so many levels. I know for me as a pastor, there are role models 10, 15, 20 years ahead of me. And I look at them, I think, I want to be like them when I grow up. Um, I want to be like Mary Kate when I grow up, you know, and so how, who um, have you seen in your journey that is just someone that you think, I want to lead, I want to influence like them when I grow up? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, I, I'm actually very inspired today by persons like yourself, Tara and John and Matt, who are so intentional about being more like Christ. And I find people of color, their courageous journey, um, uh, the Me Too journey, I'm inspired by them. I want to be like that. I want to be engaged on the front lines of what's happening in people's lives. Um, so I find the, the emerging generation, the developing generation of leaders um, inspiring. And I want to stay alive like that for the whole of my ministry life. Now, probably the person who uh, I would say help that I aspire to be like that's ahead of me um, would be uh, Leighton Ford. Uh, He uh, gave, uh, he saw something in me and gave me opportunities that I would not have had except for his, his, uh, his attention. He's a, he's in his eighties, late eighties. Um, he left the stage of evangelism with Billy Graham. He's a Billy Graham's, uh, brother-in-law and in order to walk alongside younger leaders and raise up a generation of leaders and how he does that as an, he calls, uh, as he's an artist, uh, but also a very, uh, a very good speaker. He has chosen to care for a few, which has turned into hundreds now over the years, uh, rather than build up his own personal legacy. And so he, he inspires me to pay attention to uh, at this, at each stage of my life, not to be looking for the next step up, but looking for who to bring up. Who, who to bring up onto that stage. Powerful, powerful. Thanks for sharing that. Well, let's go ahead and open it up to Q&A. Hopefully folks have some thoughts, reflections, questions. And so I believe our hosts are going to help bring you in. And as a reminder, you can use the raise a hand button for your questions and keep your videos on mute until you are asking a question. We had one in the chat. Uh, that came in as well. Yeah. So super. Yeah. You can also ask questions on the chat. If you feel like you can articulate better via that way, that's also fine. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Can we start with the one in the chat from journey church? Yeah, I see that. So from journey church, it says, how does one begin to change the leadership culture in an environment where empire is taught over the kingdom leadership? I don't know. We have Journey Church here. Do you want to expand on that some? You're on mute, so you want to unmute yourself. Yeah. Let me try this. There we go. Yeah. Share your name. 
Um, I'm James Hassel. I'm a, a co-pastor at Journey Church in uh, Roanoke, Virginia. Awesome. Welcome. So appreciate y'all uh, hosting this uh, uh, meeting today. Anyway, so yeah, my question is, um, you know, there are some leadership cultures, uh, even in churches, that are more, uh, the environment is more focused on um, what the language y'all have used is, is empire, and that pretty much supersedes uh, kingdom leadership or Jesus-centered leadership. So how does one begin to um, interact with that uh, empire culture um, in Jesus-centered ways to perhaps um, uh, influence more or, or persuade people who are uh, maybe Jesus followers, but they are either intentionally or unintentionally um, leading out of an empire mindset. I hope that makes sense. It, it does. And James, and so thank you for that question. And these, most, most of uh, these environments, these are really good people who have been faithful for their whole lives. So uh, it's, it's, it's not a judgment as much as an observation and understanding that when we get in a comfort place, uh, of adapting to our environment and wanting what the what the empire says is success, uh, it harms our full witness. I wouldn't say it harms our full witness. And and so two things. First of all, I think it has to begin with you, uh, with the leader himself or herself, um, going to asking the spirit. Uh, spirit, I want to live this way out of this embodiment. Uh, I want to understand it. Uh, I want to be taught by you. Uh, what What is the next step I can take? And mostly, uh, I find leaders today don't give enough space for this kind of thinking. Uh, in order to reflect deeply and do what Kahneman calls system to thinking, you have to have space. Um, you, you have to protect the sacred space of your time with God, not to accomplish a devotional, right. but to sit with Christ and to, to, be, to journal, to be reflective and say, Lord, I want more of you. I want and, and let and take the next step of that journey because you can't change a culture unless you're you have to embody what you want to change because you're the leader creates culture through who they are mm -hmm. because they have the broadest bandwidth of influence. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing it has to begin with you and um, making that a priority for your life and not a side journey. Um, that's hard to do when you're busy leading, but there has, there, there has to be a desperateness that I don't want this to be my life, just this. I want the fullness of Christ. Um, the second thing is it depends on to really influence culture. It, you can only influence culture over which you have uh, some leadership role. Mm -hmm. um, and that could be implicit or explicit, like you could be uh, – you could be in an environment where you're respected highly as a, a faithful person, a thoughtful person, a Christ-centered person. So your voice matters. Uh, or you have uh, 
you're in a position to lead that. You, you, you can't lead it from the side right. very well or push it up. It, it, you'll get resistance. Absolutely. So a little caution there. But if you're asking this question, then it means that you are, um, you're being invited to an answer. Yes. Powerful, powerful. Absolutely. Great, great yeah. question. Thank you, Thank Mary. You. I, I see that we have another question here from A&E. And so bring them in. Hello, can you hear me? There we go. We can hear you. Oh, great. Um, hi, my name is Andre. Um, I actually attend the meeting house. Um, I'm a little bit nervous because it looks like there's a lot of pastors in the room. Um, I am not one. Now I think you can see my video. There we go. Yeah. Hey, Andre. Hey. Um, so, a couple of questions. Um, the first one is, is the label of a leader um, a handicap in our culture? Um, I'm hearing a lot about um, ser like servanthood or being a servant leader. Um, and I have to kind of ask myself, uh, in the Bible, does, or does did Jesus ever call himself a leader? Um, I don't seem to remember him calling himself a leader, uh, but when he did speak with disciples and followers, he would ask them to uh, step in a position of a, of a servant. So do we need to relabel um, ourselves and even our pastors speak to call themselves servants? Because as somebody sitting in the, in the auditorium or in the service, when I hear uh, pastors saying, you know, we need more leaders, but there are people like myself who are not considered your traditional leader, but rather somebody in the background. Um, and uh, would it be more effective for uh, a pastor to ask the people in the audience to say, um, we are all servants of, of Christ. Um, we all serve each other. So that's, uh, I, it's, I tried to simplify my question, but that's kind of um, my question one. Uh, question two, I'm just reading my notes here. Uh, changing culture. So, um, <clears throat> so my, my thinking behind uh, I heard a lot about, you know, how do we change the culture? How do we use Jesus Collective to kind of shift the dynamics of, of, of power and, and culture? And um, I know pastors usually like to identify another leader, another pastor that's doing something really amazing in a different space or a different church or a different organization. Um, but I find that there's more movement when people are identifying a group. Um, so within the Jesus Collective, as we continue to grow, grow this movement, um, is there a way to, rather than just identifying a leader, but to identify a group to say, this is what this church is doing. Um, this is a, a group of people that are, are, 
um, this is what they're doing. Um, I hope that kind of was clear, but let me know if you want me to elaborate on my second question. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Andre, for, for those questions. And they're, I, they seem to be a little somewhat uh, related. So um, I do think that the label of leader is, uh, can be a handicap, um, but I also think using the label of servant can be a handicap. And so let me unpack that a little bit. Um, so I like to put them together, that you're servant leader and uh, that you, because what happens is that some people, they, they um, give so much attention to serving that they misunderstand what it means to influence. And if some people are influencing more um, and they say they're servants, but they're not actually serving uh, their their community, uh, so it's it's a little. Uh, it, it, you can take it and um, uh, dismantle it in a way that each answer doesn't work very well. So what I think what we what we need to do is be really clear about what is leadership. And when I define leadership, I don't say a leader is. I talk about leadership is a process. Leadership is a process. So leadership is exactly what you've said, Andre. It is something that happens in a group. It happens in a group. And so a group together is the most effective way of influencing culture. This is why Jesus had disciples. He loved his brothers and the women, too, that were there around him. And, and he walked with them and did life with them. Uh, but it was the group of them that really began the expansion of the church. And so when we think of leadership as a process that we do together in groups where we're different giftings, and but we're all trying to influence and we're all trying to serve. And, um, and that we're trying to lead like Jesus and to Jesus. And, and so... We have to, and so we have to figure that out in community and culture. So there's uh, leadership teams, and I agree with you. We can fall into empire ways when we elevate a person over a context. But when, because it always comes out of a, a context. There's this humble um, process going on with groups of people that make things happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I, that's I, I would in, in serving and being a servant is is not about doing good but getting to good. I think that's really important too, because just because I go out and do some good stuff doesn't mean you're a servant. I mean, we've all seen the symbolic gesture of big name people standing in a soup kitchen handing out food at Thanksgiving or presents at Christmas. That's not being a servant. A uh, servant is getting to good, which means you have to, again, be in conversation with people and thoughtful about what can be done together with the people involved. Um, so I see, I see uh, and that's part of the, 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 the humility um, of where you're willing to put first the mission of God than your own name. 
But it's a fine line because the bigger the process, somebody symbolically represents that group. You can't send a hundred people to to do that. So, if we, but when we think of ourselves as representing our community, our context, it's a different thing we bring than if we think of ourselves as, oh, I did this, I accomplished this. No, we did this. Mm-hmm. We accomplished this. Um, so, and often people of color and women uh, can get trapped just thinking of themselves as servants and they give up their ability to influence and people of privilege get trapped by thinking that they should be here and don't pay attention to this over here in an, in an honest way. Does that get at it for you, Andre? Uh, yes, I, I think I still have much learning uh, to do, um, but Definitely your explanations of uh, answering kind of my both two questions is really definitely helpful. Um, I think, I think for me, because I'm more of a, a background uh, individual in my church uh, that I like to serve in the background. Um, I think when I think of myself, I, I like to think myself more of a, a servant in the background, but if a, a leader is able to identify somebody that uh, seems to, you know, follow in that, like you say, follow in that servanthood footsteps into um, into good. Um, then there's potential for them to be a leader. Um, so, yeah, no, definitely, I, I really appreciate um, kind of the thoughts behind uh, um, behind your answers. Thank you. Andre, Andre, that behind the background creates the foreground. So even even that language, I'm in the background, you you are part of what's happening leadership process in that church, that you need the the background to create the the foreground, if that makes any sense. So and Andre, you're you you're welcome here, uh, friend. Somebody in the chat, one of the pastors said, "Being a you know being a pastor or leader is not a prerequisite for being here." So thank you for being here, and thank you for your great question. You are welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Here. Yeah. Good. Well, I see another. I think the next raised hand was Daniel Weatherford. I'm from Riverside, and I am a deacon in the church. It's um has Anabaptist roots in it. Um. I'm so grateful for everything I'm hearing. I'm especially grateful for the dichotomy of the empire mindset versus the Christ follower, Christ-like mindset. In some ways, uh, I just recently retired. I'm an educator. Um, Reminds me a little of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Uh, But I, I won't get into that. My question is that this is so rich, um, the things that we're sharing, and my guess is that there are a host of people here who may have a wealth of resources, be it um, journals, articles, books. I'm wondering if maybe there might be, or maybe already is, a way to create a compendium of that, a collection of that, create a place where there could be links that would fuel and further the insights that we're hearing. 
I can I can speak to that if I can from a Jesus Collective yeah. aspect. So you just made the case for one of the main missions of Jesus Collective. So thank you for doing that. Good good tee up. One of the things that we're we're doing is uh, resource sharing is central to the heart of Jesus Collective. So we're we're raising money to build an online platform that acts like Netflix and Facebook combined with something like Basecamp to be able to share resources and the best of, to curate the best of resources that we think embody and value or theology, what it is that we're leaning into and wanting to be shaped by. So uh, stay tuned. We're, we're still building it as we speak, but one day the vision that you just cast for us will hopefully uh, be here and we'll be able to actually do all that you've just suggested that we should be doing and could do. So thank you for that. You bet. It's marvelous. Thanks so much. It's great. I noticed that uh, Mandy has a question in the chat. I can, I can read it for us in case she's okay. Uh, I'm curious to know what Mary Kay thinks about the trend of the church getting a lot of leadership tools, advice from the business world, Christian conferences with lots of high-profile business world speakers. Do you think this has been an overall positive trend or a negative one for the church? That's a great question. It is. Thank you, Mandy, for that question. Um, well, I don't. I think it. It can be positive and it can be negative. I, I do think that uh, the business world has figured out some things pretty well. Uh, but for me, uh, a lot of that has to do with um, uh, just the skills part of leadership. And, um, and they also, there's a robust work on servant leadership uh, theory and that sort of thing. So there's, there's things I, I read very broadly but I don't, I don't read, I read, when I read stuff, I, this is going to sound so corny. Um, I, I really do begin uh, with prayer and ask the, the spirit to guide me in the reading to sort of, I feel like I have a, like a basket and I'm going through a field. And so there's this field and I'm looking for what goes into my basket as a Jesus follower. And I think, oh, that, that looks, that would make, that would help make a nice meal. And I just put it in my basket and the stuff that doesn't, that's not, that's not Jesus, enough, Jesus-y enough. I can't use that. <laughs> I just ignore it. But, but I find that, um, uh, but if we, if we just try to be a business model, I think we lose the human model. Uh, that that personhood model of Jesus and the way that Jesus did his leadership. Uh, so, yeah, it's it can be good, it can be bad. Um, but I recommend um, learn what what you can from anywhere. Uh, it might just be that one little bit that makes your dish delicious. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. that's good. I love that imagery of a basket. That is so so good. I'm gonna have to reuse that and share that. Oh, so powerful. Thank you for that. Uh, so we have another question for from Angela Lamb. At one point, her hand was raised and something happened. It disappeared, but she does still have a question. So, Angela, we'd love to hear from you. Angela. Good morning. <laughs> well, from California. Yep, yep. Mary-Kate, this is stellar. Like, stellar. So helpful. 
Um, it makes sense why we spent so much time talking about people that have quite a bit of privilege. Could we spend a little bit of time talking about the challenge that Jesus has for people who feel powerless? You've touched on that right at the beginning, but I would love to just hear more. Thank you, Angela. Uh, yes, that would be more my journey from a journey of powerlessness. Um, and I remember very young, um, uh, well, not in my early 30s, where I was trying to figure out uh, the call that God had put on me. And I was, I, and I just like, I was not there. I was invisible. I mean, I'm little, I'm blonde. Uh, the jokes about blondes really are out there. Yeah. Uh, I'm female. Uh, people, uh, I also came from a very broken background. Uh, so I was I'm very, was very shy quite depressed for a long period of time, but I couldn't get away from the fire in me that Jesus had touched me, saved me. And, and I am alive today because of Jesus reached in and touched me, but I could, I trying to integrate what this thing in me was with what my reality in my body was. So I, I had to figure out what does it mean to live out the call of God with my body in environments where I'm dismissed. And, um, and so I just started on that journey by trying to figure out what it was for one, which is the book. Um, but also um, be- believing in a profound sense that who I was and what I was called to be is uh, sufficient for the task that I've been given. So I didn't need to, I used to think, well, I should have been a boy because I like talking about what guys talk about, or, you know, I wish, I wish this or wish that, I, that I am sufficient and more than enough for what God has called me to be. And so I had to Learn to live out of that from the inside out. I've had to make myself talk, make myself, and so make myself uh, not just say something, but also repeat it if uh, somebody else kind of interrupted or if somebody said, said the same thing that I did a little bit later. I'd say, oh, I'm glad you picked up on my, my conversation. <laughs> That's hilarious. I I, I would walk into a room. I'd go up to somebody, you know, if there was a speaker, I'd go up, I'd work on a question. I'd go up and shake hands because I had to teach my body Mm. that I needed to take up space for the sake of Jesus's work. Not for the sake of my glory, but for the sake of Christ's glory. I had to figure it out and I didn't always get it right. Um, but, uh, now people say I'm intimidating. And, and <laughs> I mean, when, you've, when you come from such a, uh, such a fragile background to now being thought to be this, like, intimidating presence, <laughs> it's kind of funny to me. Uh, but I have to work at then not, not being that. I think just because of my accomplishments, not that they're yeah. anything protected particularly amazing but could i ask a follow-up question is there time for that briefly okay okay uh i am a person of a lot of uh personality and such and when i have attempted to speak into my friends who feel powerless to empower them 
it can sometimes feel as though I am asking them to become more like me. Um, like you just don't understand. So as a person who was journeying through that powerless feeling, what is it that your friends with a whole lot of power could have said to you to encourage you? I, yeah, that's, I, I think one thing that is helpful is just to elevate. Uh, I, I like that amplify thing, elevate uh, what you do notice that they are doing well. Like I love it when you uh, said this or that or such and such that you, allow uh, so you you give bear witness to what you do see and you bear witness to that and encourage them I don't know what kind of friendship that is but you know encourage them to explore and experiment um, uh, with people other people to help them be all they want to be I don't I don't think that I am not me after all these years of trying to work on this, I feel like I'm more me, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. I become more who God intended me to be. Um, and so, and, but my personality is the same. I'm still very, very shy, quiet. I need a lot of space, you know. Um, but I don't think it's a journey to not be you. I think it's a journey to be really you. Okay. Mm-hmm and not be what the world says you are because of your hard knocks and experiences in the world or what your parents might have said or done to you. Perfect. Thank you. That is very helpful. Oh, good. So good. I love that. A journey to be you, fully you, and the ways that Christ has formed you. So powerful. So I think we're going to go to one more question. So we have, uh, in closing, a question from George. And George asks us, what is the relationship between leadership and control? Wow, George. <laughs> Closing with the fireworks. So I think, I think control, so I'm thinking about control in lots of different ways. So if you're c- trying to control outcomes that you perceive uh, are necessary, whenever you try to control outcomes, and it's not, I, I don't think we're called to control. I think we're called to create. Um, I, I think that when we try to control, that sometimes uh, that uh, puts us, uh, we, we, the temptation is not to pay attention to what God might be doing or wanting to do in that environment. We have thought it through and we're just going to go through and take that place. But creating something requires elements. Um, it requires that we do things. It requires usually others. Um, it requires it's, its creativity is uh, or more organic. It's less uh, constructed, uh, less linear. Uh, it's uh, more messy. Usually brighter. I know this is so intuitive. I'm sorry for all the intuitive stuff. <laughs> But I, I think when, when we control, sometimes we're going too fast and uh, to slow it down a little bit and try to think about what we're trying to create together or what kind of journey we're on, where are we trying to get to, uh, what are the values that matter to us, so how, how do we get to that, how do we live out of that, rather than try to conform people to a certain outcome, it usually doesn't, control usually doesn't work as well. Um, you know, parent. You know, you know that as parents, you can you create boundaries and you create a culture 
you create values which uh, you um, require <laughs> that you live out of. Uh, but um, I don't. I don't know that you can uh, control outcomes so easily. Good. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Powerful. Um, so many, so many, so many just really profound nuggets of wisdom, you know, for me that I will be able to take on, take back and just chew on for a while and pray over and journal. So thank you, Mary Kate, for taking the time. Terabest, thank you for uh, co-hosting today and just lending your voice and your, your perspective. It was, it was really great. Was that like amazing? She was like showering us with these truth nuggets uh, that I'm like trying to run around with my basket, trying to catch them today. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I, and I knew it would be every time I had the opportunity to sit at her feet. I just, my brain is just exploding. Um, It is such rich, powerful um, imagery on leadership. And I find being a pastor and a leader Um, where empire is everywhere and declares a different way, it is just, it takes so much intentionality just to begin to correct that. And every time I'm around Mary-Kate, I just feel that chiseling that's happening and the ways that the spirit is working in and through her words. So, so thank you, Jesus Collective, for making space for us to come and sit at the feet of Mary-Kate. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, Matt, did you have any kind of final words and thoughts, Jesus Collective wise? Yeah, I don't think I can add a lot to uh, what's already been said. Just hugely appreciative of what's happened today and on a lot of these podcasts for that matter. And I think you nailed it, Tara Beth. This is, this is what we're trying to do. And we're learning as we do it, how to do it better, how to yeah. do it more effectively. But <laughs> this is just one micro manifestation of what it means to create spaces actually both learn but also think about how we can apply and practice a jesus-centered way quite frankly and to do that in community so it's sometimes awkward and we're learning through how to do that like we said as effective as possible but making this a multi-dimensional conversation with chances for engagement and interaction is something where we are wanting to keep fighting for versus it just being one-way conversations so Thanks to everybody, the people that participated. You guys did a great job hosting today, as always, but also people who leaned in, asked questions, and made this more of a communal collective space. That's the DNA we're trying to lay on the path as we walk. So, yeah, just hugely encouraged by all these interactions. And like we said, if you want to get to know us better, we're not on a, uh, on a sales pitch mode. We're on an invitation mode of saying, hey, we just want to welcome people into the journey, and we need the body of Christ's gifts to help make this a collective. So if you want to get to know us better, we would love to get to know you. You can find us on our website or at connect.jesuscollective.com. You can reach out to us by email. We'd love to chat. Yeah. Well, I think we're, I think we're good. Um, is great. And um, maybe we could just, this is just a, a few of us here left. Maybe we could just close in prayer. Is there anybody who would want to just pray, pray that, pray this into our hearts, this word that she gave us today of in, in leadership and, uh, and then pray for Jesus collective in the spirit of, I, I would be glad to do that. That'd be great. Thanks. Dan. Okay. Yeah. Let's pray. All right. Father God, um, all good things emanate from you. You are the creator. 
um, you are Alpha and Omega. And in you, we find real life. Um, thankful for this opportunity to connect with others who have a hunger and desire for being authentically Christ followers or Jesus-y. Um, I am grateful, Lord, for this opportunity to have heard these words of wisdom, um, clear, clear evidence of discernment and uh, forethought and intentionality. Um, these are things that your body hungers for here, especially in North America. And I am grateful for the promise that this may hold for each of us to continue in the way of Jesus with authenticity, with humility, and with the hope of being better equipped to follow you, love you, and further your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Daniel, you're a California guy, right? I am. Hey, uh, come hang out with us in February. We're going to be Actually, in your I'm fully you along with my wife. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. Yeah, good. We'll get to meet Thanks you for the time. invite. I appreciate that. Yeah. Everyone, it's a good Thank time. You. Bless All right. you. Blessings. Thanks for listening. And hey, don't forget to check in at JesusCollective.com where you can learn more about us, join our mailing list, find info about upcoming online and in-person events, all that good stuff. Or you can find us on social media too. And listening is such an important part of our journey, especially in these early days. So you can feel free to reach out to us with ideas and feedback and suggestions. You can always connect with us by email at connect at JesusCollective.com. We'd love to hear from you.